Welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful live show, Podcasters Unleashed. And we are here from all over the world again to just um, to discuss something that is very, very personal, although global, but it's personal at the end of um, the day. So today we'll be talking about how to how to find your purpose in the midst of global crisis. So, and and joining joining us today is uh, is my lovely co-host, and I'll be starting from Simon. Hello, Simon. Your volume, Simon. Hi, I'm Simon Rushton, one of the co-hosts today. I'm just here to share my Taxi Chronicles podcast, where you can listen to people, um, give their inner stories and what's going on in life. And by all means, tune in. We're on all the major platforms and we post every day at 8 a.m. Over to you, Matilda. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda, a journey to self. My podcast is about loving yourself, finding yourself, and coming out of adversity stronger than before. And over to you, beautiful Kaula. Thanks, Matilda. So my podcast is Women Stories Podcast, where I share real stories from women all over the world who share their struggles and how they rose above all of these challenges. Over to you, Kaula. Hi, my podcast is the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast, and that's a podcast for parents and teachers of kids between the ages of five and 14 years old. And we talk about everything to do with well-being and education. Back to you, Victor. Yeah, thank you very much, Carla. Thank you very much. So I am Victor Osio. I am the host today, and uh, I'm the host of the Diaspora Entrepreneurs podcast, where I speak to various guests who are of the diaspora um, origin. They're entrepreneurs and they've managed to move from the nine to five towards a lifestyle of freedom. And today, given given the, the current crisis that has been like ravaging the world post-pandemic, and um, now there's war, displacement, migration, people are like drowning in crisis. So, and um, the last 20 months, so let's say last two years now, has been very challenging for humanity. Lots of loved ones has been... We've lost lots of loved ones without even closure during the peak of the pandemic. And then there's war, there's migration, like I say, riots. Um, and even, even things are increasing. Um, increasing number of people are feeling very, very lost right now. And uh, on this episode, we would be talking about um, the ways to get your spark again and either um, or just keep moving on. So... This is going to be the base of our, our. This is going to be the basis of our conversation today. So I would like just to put some context into this with uh, with Matilda. Matilda, in your opinion, how would you how would you define the world in the last twenty the last twenty months? Well, I will define it surrealistic. I think lots of people didn't think that this can happen. When all your plans and all your life vision kind of changed, um, but it's been and for me personally, it's been a very interesting twenty year, twenty months. So uh, I'm happy with it. I mean, <laughs> I know a lot of people have different experiences, but my experience was, you know, I had a home in New York. Three days before the pandemic, I left it. I come back with the husband, so it hasn't been that bad. 
I guess you find love in you find love in midst of a crisis. Uh, it's interesting. Some people find love in the war zone as well. So I think you find what matters in life, in a sense. Oh, that's that, that's a great word. Um, I see you beaming there, Hala. What do you think about Matilda just said? Because different people with different different way the way they see things. She went out and she came back. She found love. You know, that's a very good story to tell and a good tale as well. So what do you think? How, how would you define the last 20 months? Well, last 20 months, it was like ups and downs for everyone, I guess. And uh, it was not easy uh, for everyone. And also for us, we, we had projects. We wanted to reunite in the UK and see each other and it didn't happen. And uh, now what's, what's really good because we are continuing on this podcast, it's been one year, so that's really a good thing. Uh, but I think it's 20 months. I mean, a lot of people, they have, uh, their perspective has changed. And a lot of people realize maybe how miserable their life was before, maybe. And uh, maybe they were not with the right partner. Maybe they were not at the right uh, work field. Maybe they didn't choose the, the, the good education field. And uh, it just makes us realize that what is more important to us uh, than before. And just like sit down with us and, and sit down with yourself and, and see where all of this going. So, yeah, it was very interesting, as Matilda said. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come to Simon, but let me hear. You see, we'll be going just so so that we put um, a proper con so that we know where we're talking from. Um, Hala, um, Kala, sorry about that. Kala, how would you define the same question goes to you? How would you define the last twenty, the last twenty months? Um, I think it's turned everything upside down in a lot of ways, and it kind of it reminds me of. Um, a situation where there would be an earthquake or some kind of disaster that would shake everything in your house and throw everything all over the place. And what you would do in that situation is you would go through the debris and pick out the most important things. And I think that's what we've all done in a way. We've, the, the world has been shaken up and we've started to figure out what's the most important things for us on a personal level, mainly. Um, but I think also on a global level, we've seen changes as, uh, to priorities. I think there's been a lot more of a focus on health and well-being and the things around health and well-being like mental health was a big issue that people brought out of the pandemic that probably wasn't um, as obvious in the beginning. And also our social connections. I think a lot of people have reassessed um, their human connection and their social networks and things like that because people that were in our lives before are no longer there. Um, quite often and also new people have come into our lives like Matilda was saying so um, I think there have been some some good things some things that we've lost um, and that we would never get back but then there have also been some new things that we've gained um, one of the biggest things that I think is a positive going forward is the new priorities that a lot of people have around work um, work no longer governs um, as many people's lives as it did before Okay, okay. Uh, Victor, we have some comments. I would like to read it. We have Frederick Villa Lobos. Welcome back, Frederick Villa Lobos. He's saying Twilight Zone. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. And Frederick is saying, 
15 days to stop the spread two years ago has turned into three jumps to feed your family. And then, <laughs> of course, we have Sasha is saying, Frederick Balibos command is right. It's a new world order. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very great perspective. Um, Simon, what do you think? Frederick said um, that we're in a twilight zone. Do you agree with that? Three days, uh, 15 days to just to cop the the spread now is two years. What do you think about that? Um, I think it depends who you are because there's many nations who just get carried on with life and it wasn't a thing. And there's many people, even in the Western countries, who've kind of led this charge for the great pandemic, um, who would have been happily just to carry on normally. It's the government that's kind of put their boot down and said, you must stay indoors, you must do this, you must do that. But for me personally, it's just been a case that I've worked throughout the pandemic. I kind of read the tea leaves um, from when I heard them talking at the very, very start, and I decided to get a job that I could go outside every day and do what I wanted to do. So I became a dustman. <laughs> I was driving a truck, and then I um, I got... I crashed. <laughs> so... Um, I, I lost that job, but then I went on to another job, which which I'm doing now, which is Uber, where I can be out all the time. So it didn't really bother me. It's just improvising and moving on. I'm not going to stop and change my life for anything. Um, um, and my attitude was, if you're sick, stay indoors. So basically what I'm saying now, it's like either the, you can look at it, either the glass is half full or half empty. And there's people around the world who are in war zones and uh, or just in major real instant um, issues and the pandemic is the last thing on their mind it's the last thing staying alive realistic real terms you know whether you're in afghan or you're in some place far from place of the world there's people in the amazon probably don't even know about this whole pandemic so when you really look at it are we talking about the world or are we talking about the western world um, and i can't tell you the long the long haul thing because I'm not a politician and I'm not in that 1%. I have my own suspicions, but we'll probably get into that later. But in the meanwhile, back to you, Victor. Yeah, thank you very much. That's a great, that's a great perspective. Is it, is it the whole world or is it just, um, it's just the media that's making us feel as if it's the whole world? But basically, people around us is like the whole world. You get it. So I saw, I saw a comment now by Sasha, which is very interesting to me. And I'll direct this question to Hala. Do you think it's a new world order right now compared flip back 20 more um, flip back two years ago compared to now? Do you think it's a new world? We can't hear you, um, Hala. Well, I think that uh, every crisis uh, that's happened, it shapes the history. And whenever a crisis uh, visits uh, a country or a given community, um, the fundamental values of that community is exposed. And uh, you see who has more, who has less, who has the power, and what people treasure the most, um, and why, and what they are fear the most. So I think also we have seen a lot of crisis in our lives. We have seen war, the 9-11 ter uh, terrorist attack that happened led to a consequences in uh, America, where there were like um, a lot of civilians in, uh, in citizens 
uh, globally and the Afghanistan uh, war and also in 2008, the financial crisis. So all of the crises that happened really changed the, the consequences of the future, wherever it's the pandemic or the war or other things. That is a that is a great one. So um, to the audience, um, we have um, an audience question. How would you, in your own perspective, describe or define the last twenty months? Just let us know, and um, yeah, and your your comments, your comments as well, and your participation is highly, highly valuable to this conversation. And thank you for your comments so, so far. Uh, sorry, um, Victor, we have a comment from Akram Amar. Welcome back, Akram. He's saying it's a good idea to start the episode by talking about personal experiences. We inspire to talk about the impact of goals on people according to social groups or segments. Thank you for your comment, Dak. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Akram. Thank you. Um, speaking of personal experience, and um, most of us, we've been through various experiences during this time. And uh, I don't know if Matilda would like to share share one that is actually directly affected by in the last um, twelve in the last I don't know it's more than twelve months now eighteen months now since you since you've experienced what you did. Yeah, well, I've been homeless after this uh, uh, this pandemic time. Um, I left New York thinking, oh, I'm going to see this guy that I'm interested in to see what's up. And then I got there and lockdown started after three days. I don't know the guy very well and I cannot even go out. So we're staying in the 60 meter apartment and there's no honeymoon phase. We're not going out to dinner, we're not, nothing, it's just home. We're starting to argue and I'm like, oh my God, what a nightmare. But the mix of it, I realized that when you don't have anywhere to go, you have to resolve the problem right there and right then. So it forced me and such as well to work on our communication because it's not like you can go out and then come back two hours later you're there the problem is there and it was an interesting it was it opened my eyes to an interesting point of a view that you can resolve lots of things in your life with the right communication so i think people learning how to communicate uh, with each other properly they can resolve lots of issues with their co-workers, with their partner, with their parents, with their children. So, yeah, and I haven't, I just got back to New York and it's weird. I feel like I found home, which Sasha, my husband, and I got married in the midst of uh, Paris lockdown. I'm like, might as well, if I'm doing pandemic with a guy and lockdown with a guy, might as well marry him. <laughs> And it was, a, it was a nice, uh, I think it turned out very well. Now I'm back to New York. I feel I don't have a home, but my home is Sasha. So I'm home kind of without a real actual home. So it's kind of a weird feeling. But um, yeah, my, my stuff is everywhere now in storage. So I'm homeless in a way. Okay, but you don't. You, I have you, a you husband. Don't look to me. <laughs> I have a husband. <laughs> so it depends on how you look at it. Being a homeless is a good thing, or having a husband. But I, I rather to have a husband than a home, at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> and and you might find out a bit that um, being being 
it's it's a matter of perspective. But I'll say where your family is is where your home is. So enjoy enjoy where you are right now. It is yeah. a phase, and it will definitely pass. We most some of us have been there. I've been there as well. Me and my whole family. You know, we came back after the pandemic as well. We found out that our house was like really, really infested and we had to move. You know, we stayed in the hotel for a couple of months, you know, and um, it wasn't really, really looking at it from from uh, an outside perspective. It wasn't really, really that bad because um, we ended up, uh, me and my family, we ended up having it like a game. You know, and like an adventure as well. So I've tend to know that so long you're with your loved ones and they understand what's going on, it doesn't matter really. You know, we just have okay. fun. And now we just like we reference it and say, Oh, thank God. Can you imagine we went through this? You know? Yeah, actually, and I like what you said. So, yeah. Actually, yeah, sorry, Richard. Actually, you know, now we're me and Sasha were looking back if maybe the pandemic didn't happen. We might have not spent that much time together. Obviously, I had to come back to New York and he had to work and all that. And maybe we wouldn't be married at this moment. So kind of the pandemic and lockdown helped us to look at life and realize what really matters. What really matters for us now. Job, we can always find a job. But, you know, it's not easy to find the right partner, uh, you know. So um, I think partnership or I'm at the age that I feel like partnership is more important than anything else. So I'm happy with the pandemic in a way. Yeah, that's good. So so I like what you said about um, you need to have the ability to communicate. So I'll be giving this question to just to Simon and Carla, if they could help us here, because um, Simon has a military background and the way communication is in, in, in the battlefield can be like um, can be likened to a household, and as well as um, what we're going through now, internal and external communication is cra- is good. Mm-hmm. So, Simon, what do you think? First of all, I want to talk about prison because reason why is that if you look at the lockdown, the principles of the lockdown. I cracked a joke to my friend who got out; he's been out quite a few years now, and I said, "You guys who are ex-coms, uh, this is a walk in the park because." You know, you've got a whole flat that you're stuck in instead of a six by four room and some big ass, hairy ass guy you have to share with and get on with. So when Matilda was talking about, oh, she's rowing with the, her partner and her husband now, and then she wants, she has to realize they have to get on. It's like there's many people who have to do that around the world all the time. And it's either, especially in prison, it's either I'm going to kill you, literally, or we're going to sort it out because I can't go to sleep because you might kill me. So we got to come. And even if we sort it out, you still might kill me. <laughs> so we kind of got to sort it out really fast in a good way. But, you know, but as um, I always say with Carla, Carla always says, men know the pecking order naturally. You meet someone, you feel, oh, yeah. he's a big guy. I wouldn't want to get into it with him. So that's another thing. But it's interesting when um, Matilda speaks about um, getting on with a partner. To move on to the military side of things, does it? You've got you've got a pecking order that's installed, so you just uh, you just think someone's a, an idiot or whatever, and you just get on and do it, and you make your life the best. And you kind of generally the whole process of the military, 
um, the training and the recruit stage and that kind of learn, teach you to bond together with people from all different walks of life. It's not really an issue. And that's probably why I just read the tea leaves and just handled it the way I handled it um, in that respect. So thanks um, to the military experience. But excuse me, over to you, Carla. Yeah, remind me of the question again, Victor. Oh, I was just saying, um, regards what uh, Matilda said about communication and being like stuck together. So, and um, parents and the war zone as well, if you want to say it like that. And then um, communication style, how do you communicate during this when everyone was like, like on lockdown and moving forward? Do you know what? I really, I enjoyed it because I was, I was locked down with my children. Um, I've got three children. One of my daughters was here in the UK at the time. She's grown up. The other one who was just about to grow up was back at home. She was living at home and my son was also at home. And, you know, it gave me a chance to spend time with them because I'd been really busy for the last eight years before that, just working and running back and forth between being a teacher full time and trying to parent uh, two children that were on the verge of growing up. In, in going into their late teens and also a baby. So when the lockdown came, it gave me a chance to just be home. And I'd wanted to be home for about eight years, but it just didn't work out that way. And so it gave me a chance to really take stock of where I was supposed to be as a mother and what was the most important thing. And there are certain times in life where you realize that you've done something that probably wasn't the wisest thing, but you, you just thank God that it worked out okay. And that's how I felt last year in the pandemic. I just, I had to sit down and really think, you know what, I've left these kids for eight years and gone to work. And maybe the fact that I was working with other people's children, and I always did that with my heart in it, um, somehow gave me a, a break. So I would leave my children and go and look after other people's children. So maybe that's why mine didn't suffer so much. But also I got to realize that mine, my children's relationship was pretty good despite the fact that I'd gone to work, I think they understood that I'd left them and gone to work because I needed to work to provide for them because of my situation. But my relationships were good. My daughter is at an age where most people probably wouldn't want to be locked in with their adult, young adult child. And we didn't have one argument. And we, I remember us saying, after the lockdown had finished, we said, you know what was really weird is that we never had one argument. And she was like, yeah, I know. So that was kind of like, uh, a good experience for me to realize that my relationship with my grown-up child was good but also I really took um, the time to reflect on how much time I had left to spend with my son and I actually quit my job as a teacher during the lockdown um, it was just a few weeks after the lockdown that I handed in my notice because I realized then that I really didn't want to go back to working as a teacher anymore because I only had a short period of time left to spend with my son before he became a teenager and I just learned my lesson. You know, I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is enough, really. I need to be with my family and I need to find a way to restructure my life and use this um, as an opportunity to do that. And so I did. I left, I resigned from my job and I left. I was living in Qatar. I left Qatar in August last year. As soon as the airports opened up, basically, I was out. Um, and like you guys mentioned, I went through a lot of challenges in the last few months um, to make that transition. I stayed in Airbnb when I got back here to the UK for months, um, going from one Airbnb to another with my family. Um, but it was worth it. As Matilda said, it was definitely worth it. Whatever I sacrificed was worth it because now 
um, things are very different. And I appreciate that time that I got to be with my kids and also to reflect on what I really wanted to do with life and where I was needed most. So, yeah, it was a big change for me as well. All right, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll go more in depth into that. There is a lot of comments. Shall I read some of them? Yeah. Akram is saying, some groups of people were almost destroyed in most countries of the world. And on the contrary, some groups improved their economic conditions and those reflect on all aspects of life. Interesting. Right. He's saying again, it would be better if we thought together of helping the groups that were greatly affected by the crisis and how to develop the goals to what is practical and commensurate with the circumstances to get out of the crisis with the least losses. Sasha is saying, perhaps to have this COVID experience will create at the end something good and I will let you continue and then we'll get back for more um, with the more comments. I just want to add in there, Victor, something that Carla and I think Matilda have written was very interesting. Um, we talk about people and they value what they value now. And my friend, she works in a big corporation and she was saying how where everybody's finished work at five, because they're all told they had to come in at least two days a week. Most people have been working from home. She said the office at five was just empty. Everybody just left bang on five, regardless of what position they were in. And she was kind of just left there. And she said, well, I'm going to leave from now on. And I, I, when, when that was said to me, I thought, I think that's based on the repercussions of the lockdown is that people just said, I'm not going to work all these hours, additional hours for the company. I'm going to start doing what I want to do, when I want to do, and how I want to do it. And um, probably the sign for many, for future, for things to come throughout various different corporate organisations. But I just want to throw that in there. So back to you, Victor. Yeah, because you mentioned something that is that that is very, very, um, that's very interesting. So I would just like you to throw more lights on what do you think this world is heading towards the trajectory socially? Because with um, social distancing and now we are heading into um, like your friend you mentioned now that needs to get off from, from uh, work at five o'clock. What do you think this world is heading towards socially? I think it's funny because um, there was mentioned about, um, Akram mentioned about economies in certain countries um, doing well. And we came out stronger than the euro in the sterling but now because we kicked all the, all the foreigners out and people seem to forget that britain is built on foreign occupation and having foreigners coming in here um we're we kind of um stop the food on the supermarket shelves so uh people are panicking in that sense and people are panicking in fuel sense but when it comes to i couldn't i couldn't really tell you what's going to go on in the future. All I can tell you is this, as uh, a taxi driver, I've been listening to the radio where people are phoning up. You, all these foreigners were phoning up and saying, we're not coming back. Why would we come back? We get, um, you're not part of the European Union. You want us to do all this paperwork and then you're going to kick us out for three months. You've told us that. So people are just looking at, is it really worth it? Is it really, what is really worth it? Is that little bit more money extra worth it? Or should I spend time with my family and be near my loved ones? And I think that's just a way to go. And, and 
And the governments also need to, especially like our government here in London, England, they need to switch on and realise that if they're going to move forward, because the economy's stronger, like sterling's been stronger than the euro and doing quite well. But now it's going to start plummeting if we can't get anything here to do business. <laughs> so, so all that, all that um, staying, o- staying open, because obviously we didn't really shut down until lastminute.com. And I believe our government purposely did that to keep the pounds, get the pounds strong. And it's kind of all going to waste um, based on Brexit and other things. So in general, when it comes to attitude of people, I think the general public are going to do what they will, what matters to them on a personal scale more than just financial. Back to you. Oh, yeah. I'll just push it to I'll push it to Hala because most times she has these contradicting views on 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 world <laughs> on world movement. Hala, what do you think? It seems getting better socially in Paris or in France. Well, I don't think so because uh, we are getting more virtual apps and virtual assistance, and everything is becoming virtual. And if you know the president, he's a, he's a technocrat. So any uh, techn- virtual or AI idea or startup, it's going to be funded <laughs> because uh, technology is welcome here in France a lot. And uh, I think as I've seen people now and the interaction now with people, it's less and less... Uh, we have less and less social interactions. And also I see people are more addicted with the technology. Uh, people are just walking with their phones. They, I mean, the, the pandemic actually had made us more addicted to, to technology. And if you just pay attention and, and see around you, you see a lot of people are addicted to it. And, um, and I hope it's going to be less uh, technology uh, depending uh, in, in, in the social perspective. Um, but yeah, I think uh, human interactions has changed. Uh, we are creatures or we are social animals. So it's interesting to see how the human interaction is changing and evolving. Is, is it evolving to the better? I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Matilda, go ahead. Um, same question. Do you think because for you, your your yours is kind of unique because you've been Armenia, you've been California, New York, where have you? So do you think it's getting better socially? Um I don't think it's getting better. I think uh people are learning that certain things matters, uh their family matters and their close friends are matters they mattered for them. I think actually in a way it's getting better because we understand values, we understand the importance of being in touch and we cannot go through this pandemic alone. We need to go through it together. Also living in different places while uh, the pandemic is going on made me realize the different cultures and how people handle difficulties in different cultures. And I think this pandemic I mean, I, I never thought about culture in that big of a sense because I'm like, oh, it's individuals, depends how they handle life. But no, culture really, I felt culture really affects how you think and how you come out of uh, adversity. And it was a very important uh, point for me in my life. 
uh, in Armenia, for example, ha people handled it very differently. Uh, in France, for God's sake, they weren't even laughing. There was at home, quiet. When you see, like in uh, Italy, people were uh, uh, singing and uh, having drinks in the balcony with their uh, neighbors. Uh, in America, they handled it very differently. Even in New York, I mean, a lot has changed in New York right now after pandemic. And it's kind of sad to see the city that way. But it is what it is. I believe um, we, it can give us a better perspective of how culture affects our moods. Our, uh, it, gave, it gives us resources to overcome um, crisis. So um, maybe we can, um, I mean, sociologists can maybe uh, emphasize it more on it, on people to understand and adopt a better culture for a uh, global crisis like this. Okay, that's interesting. Um, just checking, is there any other comments that we need to like, catch up on? Yes, we have Frederick. Hello, Frederick. Frederick Villalobos saying, there is a split between the Zoom class and the service industry. If your job allows you to stay home, uh, other folks have to go to work, service, medical, police, grocery, farmers, store clerks, now, some of these folks that carried us through our lockdowns, they are being discriminated by the same people who use their services while staying at home. Frederick, very important point you're sharing. Any comments about it, guys? Yeah, I'll throw that, I'll throw that to Carla. And uh, from a well-being perspective, um, how would people recover from these, these crises like, like what um, Frederick just mentioned? Yeah, I think this is a really important uh, point about how we value the different jobs in society um, and how we show appreciation for all the sectors of society. And also, maybe some of the jobs that we thought were important before, we suddenly realise that they're not as important as in the numbers of the, those people. So we realise when they said, you know, there was a shortage of nurses, um, during the pandemic and there was a shortage of people to do certain jobs um, and also some jobs saw a mass exodus people leaving those professions because um, they no, no longer fit with their family situation like lots of women left the workplace um, as I did to go back home with their children because it no longer made sense for them to be in work um, lots of people have changed their careers during the pandemic and also that point that he makes about prejudice that's a really important point as well because whenever we have a crisis what we find is because it puts everybody in an uncomfortable situation and we all experience distress in one form or another in global crisis situations the people who are actually responsible for it, it it's either impossible to figure out who that is which is in the case of the pandemic we still don't know who was really responsible for it and how it managed to happen in such a technologically advanced society. It's, it's crazy really to think about it, but there's no one to account for it. There's no one to blame. There's no one to point fingers at. And so what happens is quite often people's frustrations can cause them to take it out on the wrong people. Um, and I know I personally spoke to a lady a few weeks ago who worked in a grocery store and she said exactly as the comment uh, was just made that she worked all the way through the pandemic and she worked extra shifts. And she said she experienced so much verbal abuse 
from um, people during the, the pandemic that she almost quit her job and she had a long period of sick as well because people were taking out their frustrations on her and other people like her who were face to face with the public during that time when they had to insist that people wear masks, for example. I mean, it's not up to the shop uh, clerks or whatever if you wear masks or even the managers of the shop, it's the government guidelines. But a lot of the people who were on the front line in the NHS, in the front line, in the shops, in any service sector were on the receiving end of a lot of frustration, a lot of arguments, a lot of abuse and even threats. This lady told me she'd been threatened on a number of occasions by people who'd come into the store, for example, and they were frustrated because they couldn't get certain items or because she wouldn't allow them to do certain things that she just couldn't allow them to do because of her job. So those types of things as well, people can get frustrated with the wrong people and they can lash out and they can blame and get into this thing of who's to blame for spreading it and who's to blame for the chaos and all of that, instead of rallying together and being supportive in their community. So yeah, that was an, an interesting comment there from Frederick. But to jump in there though, Carla, I would say, I don't know your, your the person you're speaking about, but then I would also say it's discretion. It's like as a as an Uber driver, you're meant to wear a mask. But if you get in a car and you haven't got a mask on, I'm just driving anyway. I'm not bothered. Do you understand? If if someone's coughing and spluttering, I could wind down the windows or tell them to pull their t-shirt over their face or whatever. But it's also discretionary. So if people want to be jobs worse, because it's easy if, if you if someone walked into your shop and they didn't have a mask on and the old Bill come along, sorry, the police, and said, why is he in there with no shop? He's bigger than me. I'm just a small woman. What can I do? They can't. The police can't say anything to that. You can move him out if you want to. Do you see what I mean? Say so it's discretion. And where people are jobs worth, that's where pe you're going to get people taking out frustration on people. Yeah, and I suppose that is it's the same on both sides. It's basically it's... When we, when we are hopeless or helpless in situations and we don't know who's really to blame for the crisis that we're in, we have to be careful not to turn on each other. So whether you're the service user or the service provider or you're a person that belongs to the vaccinated group or the unvaccinated, we don't want to get in this situation where we start being against our fellow human being at a time when we're in a crisis when really we should be rallying together and being supportive. So, yeah, I agree. Shopkeepers and people in the service industry also, they have their frustrations, don't they, and get stressed out. Um, and then lash out at the public as well. Or, uh, you know, you get situations where people are arguing with the service user because they've just lost it as well. They're, you know, at their wits end and stressed out. Mm. But the, you know what the funny thing is? When we talk about um, pulling together as humans, I believe people are, but they're just picking their tribe. They're picking their side. If I'm vaccinated, I'm with the righteous. If I'm unvaccinated... I'm with the sensible and those lot over there are nutters. And, you know, and then if I'm not sure, I'm just not sure. <laughs> you see what I mean? I'm going to, you're automatically dropped in one group or the other. And I hear it all the time when I'm in the taxi. You go, oh, I've had my jabs. I'm all right. I say, oh, good luck. Yeah, the third eye yeah. will be coming out in a couple of months or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a nice uh, point there. That's well, a nice point there. Got quite a few comments here. Yeah. Yes. Um, Akram is saying, I would like to point out the positive aspect that resulted from the crisis, where many goals, priorities, and tools have been reformulated in many areas. For example, 
what has been developed in the field of education has achieved important and an unexpected results. Very interesting. And Sasha Serge is saying, to change, you need to work on yourself. And it's a difficult and uncomfortable experience. Bravo, Sasha. So if we take the half uh, full glass uh, vision, it's... Um, it was an opportunity individually to take the time to work on ourselves. Yeah, that's a great perspective, Sasha. Um, Hala, see, um, we've, we've, we've seen so many things happen in the past months now. Do you think that um, things will go back to normal or this is the new normal now? What do you think? <laughs> it's the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> I just want to ask to the audience first who are vaccinated. Uh, is your life is coming back normal? Uh, really want to point out that to audience who got the vaccine. Mm. I just want to really to know because I think, I don't know if you guys got vaccinated, but I think most of us did not uh, have any <laughs> vaccine at the moment. So we would love to know your perspective on it. And uh, the answer for me is no, because uh, the system does not just bounce back after a shock. Uh, you need time to process and uh, there is an enduring and sometimes even um, uh, there is a permanent change. And I think we will see a permanent change uh, in, uh, in our, even in our uh, choosing our right to uh, to say no or, or, uh, or yes. For example, uh, there is a new company, they want to install uh, a new technology at their apartment today. And I said, no, I don't want it. Uh, and she said to me, well, if you don't want it, you need to uh, pay additional fees because it's, um, it's mandatory by the government. Uh, so I need to pay taxes if I don't want to install uh, the new uh, 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 fuel gas counter. So I think it's, um, I will see our uh, number of choices reduced. I do think that. Is the smart meter you're referring to, um, Haola? What? Is it a smart meter you're referring to? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Carlo and I have been having conversations about this. I've just ignored them. Ah, sling your No, but actually here it's mandatory. And if I don't uh, unstart yeah. in my house, but I need to pay. Mandatory is not law. See, they can use a word mandatory, but you say, okay, show me in the law where it says I must have this meter. There's two different things. Law is it's been passed through the legal channels and um, you're meant to have it, blah, blah, blah. And that mandatory is just like, I. they just said it's mandatory and, you know, all right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like that, that, that's cool. Um, yeah, you know, Sasha, Sasha made a wonderful um, comment now, which I would like um, us to focus on. So, and um, this is for Carla, before we start talking about more of um, how we find them, um, so, Carla, how do we find purpose today? Because you made a decision and you stuck by it. And then uh, was it really, really rosy? Or how did you find passion? How can someone find passion right now? Um, I think we've been, we've touched on it a few times. You have to determine what's the most important thing. 
Um, and quite often in life, there isn't more than one thing that's important to you. There are a number of things. You might have um, family that's important to you. You might be going through health issues. You might be reassessing your personal core values, your life values. You might be at a stage of life where you're transitioning and looking for something like Matilda said, you know, for her, having a husband at this stage in her life was more important than having a permanent home. Everyone's going to be in different stages for parents. Um, it's all about their children. So I guess you have to know what's important in your life, all of the things, but also you need to know in what order those things are important as well, because we all know we all have to make a living. We all need an income. But for a lot of people, that was always first. And sometimes it was first in a kind of panic. Um, yes, it is important to earn money and provide for your family, but it isn't important to chase a career that demands that you take so much time away from your family that you lose your relationships or you lose the stability of, you, you know, your mind, your mental health and well-being or, you know, time with your kids. So I think it was it's all about reassessing your values, reassessing what's important in your life and putting things back in the right places. Um, crisis can give you a chance to do that um once you've got away from the initial shock because I know that's what hit me first as a parent I was shocked I was getting my affairs in order <laughs> I was making sure that my kids knew all the passwords to my bank accounts and all sorts of things but it really made me think you know what if what if this is really that serious that it's it's going to wipe out you know um, so many people from the planet and what if I'm one of them that is a stark thing to face, you know, when you're a parent. So I think those, you know, answering those major life issues questions, looking at your relationships, your life, what you're doing with your time. That was another thing that really hit me. And a lot of people that I spoke to is how much time there is in a day and where does it go? Um, so much of it goes to work, to worry. A lot of work time goes to worry and to stressing um, about things. So you have to put everything back in order, I guess, um, when you're facing a crisis. And if you want to find purpose and find meaning in life, you've got to put the most important things first. Um, and when you do that, then you're going to feel that you've got a sense of purpose and whatever crisis you're facing, I guess, is going to be um, turning out for the benefit for you. I, I hear what Carla's is saying. In, in the sense of trajectory, I, I look at it like this. I think things are going to be they're going to get a lot worse. And I don't mean with this virus thing per se. I mean, if some people determine not to be injected, other people are happy to get injection, injection every nine, six to nine months. And, I, and, and there's all these new rules or whether it's mandatory, it's law, all these things popping up in different countries. And if you look at America, for instance, in Texas, you do what you want to do. You've got your gun by your side, you're happy. We ain't getting no, you know, this vaccinations of the devil kind of thing. But in New York, you know, they're saying you can't go in the bar if you don't get have at least one injection. Now, to me, it's people either going to move to an area where they're comfortable and they say, well, this is the unvaccinated section. And eventually the government will try and push it on them. But if their leader or their mayor or whatever doesn't agree with it, then it's kind of be a safe haven. Um, or there's just going to be turmoil because um, I was thinking, I, I posted a comment on the WhatsApp group the other day. It said, I've always thought it's strange that American has guns um, willy-nilly, but now I see the purpose. The purpose <laughs> is when the government starts to go crazy on the people, you can actually defend yourself against the government. 
And the riots, for if you look at the BLM riots they had in America, when it got to Texas or certain parts, it just stopped dead in its tracks because the local police chief said, y'all got guns down there? Well, I'll give you permission <laughs> to use it. <laughs> and that was it. And then like all the, all the crazies who were, yeah, yeah, come on, man, come. They were, all right, all right, all right, we're just staying over here. Yeah, but you know, Robert, we're staying over here. It was that kind of situation. And I understand that. I understand that. And it's it's sad. Don't get me wrong. But that's a real pro. The, obviously, we all know the negative people shoot up schools, shoot each other and generally. But the, when it comes to a serious thing like this, where the government's not making sense, it's a great thing to have a gun. The great thing for a whole street to be armed. And if they because the street is a community and you've got to be able to say no to the government, you're wrong. You can't just use the military or use this to try and enforce your way on us. No, we're not going to stand for it. And that's and so I, that's why I see there's going to it's not going to be oh everybody's allowed to fly now if you've got injection. People are going to protest, and you've got people up top who don't agree with it. And that's why even in London, sorry I say London, I should say England, um, the whole mandatory passport vaccination just went out the window because you've got people up top. Lords that say, no, I'm not doing that. Don't be absurd. Not a gin and tonic, please. Come on. Yeah? They're not having <laughs> it. They're not having it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's why I said to some other people, you don't have to worry about the vaccination because those people up top, a lot of them don't agree with it. So just bide your time. Let them argue for you. Remember I told you that, Victor? Yeah, yeah. And look what happened. The thing went out the window. They try and come in with it another way, but it went out the window for now. You see? But I've, yeah, we've got some more comments. We've got some more comments coming yeah. in. Um, okay, let's go. Frederick is saying, I live in Florida. We do not do mandates. And I concur with our government assessment. Very nice. Akram is saying, I think things will gradually return to normal very soon. <coughs> and uh, Sasha is saying, uh, a Jewish quote is saying, a bad thing for good things. The same pragmatic vision that uh, Mikhail live in the print. Machiavelli. Machiavelli in the print. Perhaps at the end, nothing is good or bad, but it's just a necessary evolution for the world. I think it's a very interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I, I like it. And uh, uh, Frederick is saying, I found that governments, worldwide have taken advantage of this COVID situation in order to limit civil liberties in the name of security. To those countries that complied the civil liberties, loss will not come back. True. Uh, Victor, I will allow you to continue. Uh, we have a couple of more and then we'll come back to those. Yeah. Yes? Just to jump in there quickly, it's a quick one. What Frederick's saying, very, very true, and I've heard politicians talk about this in the car. When the government, when you give the government your rights, it's just like when the government takes starts a new tax and the people don't really protest, they will never give it back to you. They will never give it back to you. And the problem is they will abuse those rights. And we see that history shows that time and time again. So when you think of it now, the government has a right to tell you what you should have in your body, when you can leave your house, when you should stay at home, if you can travel abroad, even if you can go down the end of the street. And you're never going to get those rights back. And that's the big issue there. 
So when we talk about how it's going to go back to normal, really, is it? Yeah. Remember, remember 9-11 when the airport thing started and they said, oh, it's just going to be two hours to be in the airport and you take off your shoes, take off this, take off that. And don't worry, just for a couple of months and then um, it will be, um, you know, to be okay. And now if you don't do that in your airport, you don't come here to our side. So that's how it is. But um, as things keep going towards, I don't know if it's normal to you or not normal to you. Um, this question is to Matilda. How do we keep encouraging? How do we keep encouraging ourselves? Because we are thinking of there's so many people right now who they've the passion is gone, the purpose is no longer there, and now they find their way back. So how do you? How do we encourage ourselves to take on new stuff, the new change that is coming? Um, I think we shouldn't really think about uh, what the government is doing doesn't matter what the government is doing. We don't have the power in that level. All we have the power is to how we conduct our own life, our own emotions. Um, I think we just need to be focused on us, on ourselves, and to understand what really matters. If whatever matters to you, you have to go on forward, find a way with that situation. Uh, constantly worry about, oh, the government is stopping this or the government is not allowing or vaccine is right or vaccine is bad. This is your time in this world. That's it. You're going to have, I don't know how many years that you have left in this planet. Try to make the best out of it. Whatever card is given right now, try to play the best way possible by constantly pausing about, oh, there's a new world order. There's this. Okay, kalas. There is. What are you going to do? Can you change it? Are you top of the chain? No. Then just uh, manage your life because this is your time. Uh, you can look at it as this miserable and um, unfair situation in the world. Or you can say, you know, this is a period in uh, human history and you're living it. You're part of it. So might as well make the best out of it. Uh, maybe family matters the most. So stick to your family instead of having, I don't know, five cars, have one car and uh, communicate with them. Who, who says this is not a better version of life than what we had? Just because we're not used to it, that doesn't mean this is a bad version. I don't know. I don't like to, when, we, when you talk with a lot of French people, for example, they are constantly angry at the government and the situation. But what can you do? This is the cards now. How are you going to play it? By fussing about the government or saying, oh, I cannot do this. I don't want to take the vaccine or I should take the vaccine. Just stick to what matters for you. I think what the pandemic showed us, what matters. That's it. Matilda, they throw an egg at Macron today. In the Good, that's interesting. The history of the French is this. It's good for his hair. If, if you upset the French enough, they just kill everybody in power and start again. That's the history of the French. And if you think this whole lockdown thing, yes. it's medieval, really. Because when you get the plague, the plague turns up, you about you, um, what do you call it? You secure a village, the village with the plague. And anybody who comes out of that village gets executed. Yeah. And it's just things like that. But at least at the end of the plague, you get to go off about your business. We're still stuck. <laughs> so it's actually, we're worse than medieval times. We just got a car. We just got electric cars now. Yeah. They're never going to take maybe a we should. 
be happy not not happy obviously these are not good situations for anybody because you plan your life accordingly uh, you know uh, before covid time but maybe instead of that we need to work out what what is important what you can do and make the best out of this moment you know the happy people are not the people who are uh, do have the best situations all the time the happy people are the people who can find a way in the midst of all the crisis. And there is a beauty in every situation. Every situation has a beauty. And you just need to train your eyes to see that beauty. Uh, all I, my eyes, it's like this. If you live in a developing country in the middle of nowhere or with a small community, you're probably the best off in the planet right now because no one's bothering you. You've only got to talk to your tribal leader and he's on a first name basis. He's probably your uncle or something. And you're cool in the game. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a Western country, you got issues, man. And there's a lot more coming. See that tsunami when the water's calm and it goes out? And it goes, oh, look, what's that? Look, I can see that old ship. And then suddenly, <laughs> boom. boom. life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it's coming. I'm telling you, it's not over yet. Look at Australia. Six people got COVID and they locked down the whole country. Think about that. Yeah, I think I, I think the government the government and the people's thinking about the people's well being. Carla, what do you think? Should individual well being be a priority to the government or or what? Hey. <laughs> In an ideal world, yes, but we're not in an ideal world, Victor, and we've never lived in one. That's the fact. If you look back at history, governments have always been doing this stuff. Um, it's a rare thing to find. I don't know if there even has been one. I know from my childhood that um, when I used to go to church, we were taught the story of um, King Solomon. And King Solomon was supposedly the wisest king that ever ruled, right? In the Arab world, they call him Suleiman. Um, but other than that, I've never heard a story of a successful kingdom or a successful government, should we say. And what we mean by successful is a government that's able to balance the macro, the bigger picture, with the micro needs of the people. Um, usually it's the macro matters the most. So the bigger picture, the governance, the rulership, the finance, the infrastructure is usually matters more than individual well-being. And you do have attempts in governments to legislate um, for well-being. And I guess they would claim, based on the fact that this is a health-based pandemic, that global lockdowns were for our well-being, for our benefit. That's the narrative that we've been told anyway. But when we say should they should they care about individual well-being, they never have. And I guess that's why it's so important for you as a person to make sure that you live in a country that I guess the value system at least aligns with the values that you can live your life by. And also that you take responsibility for your individual well-being and keep the proper perspective of the government. Like Matilda said, don't focus too much on the government because the government are accountable. They're not accountable to you. <laughs> that's that's the fact of the matter. The government is accountable to something or someone higher than them. But that's not us. Um, we are unfortunately quite often accountable to them. But even so, we have a choice in that. You have a choice, even if something is a law. Um, as Simon was saying, there's a difference between mandated and legally binding. And even if something is legally binding, you have a personal right to stand still and refuse. Um, whether or not you like the consequences that come from that, there's a different thing. 
Um, and it's the same with well-being. If the government tells you you need to do things a certain way, but you know it isn't good for your well-being, holistic well-being, or it clashes with your value system, which when we live against our value system, that is not good for our well-being. Then we have to regulate for ourselves. We can't let the government determine what works for us in terms of our well-being. It would be lovely if they did, but they're not going to. And there's a prime example... Sorry, there's a prime example in the Caribbean, one of the Caribbean islands. I won't name it, so I can't quite remember, but I remember the video. is where the, uh, the prime minister of the country said every, all the hospital workers, um, like equivalent to NHS, must take the vaccine or you won't get paid. And they're very sceptical about the vaccine. I don't blame them after 400 years of slavery. So they turned around and said, all right, well, we all resign. And they burnt their uniforms. So the government went, well, uh, all right, don't worry about what I said last night. I was a bit tipsy. <laughs> Carry on with your job. <laughs> you know, get your fame on Friday. But that's unification. But you get that when you get smaller communities. Yeah. And I think also there are some things you should never outsource to the government. You know, there, there are some things that logically from a wisdom perspective, you should never expect the government to be responsible for it because you just need to look at the way they regulate already. If you look at the way they manage budgets, global budgets, massive budgets, you wouldn't put them in charge of your finances, would you? You know, or if you look at the way that they administer um, laws and the justice system, the justice system in most countries has no justice. They attempt to have justice, so you wouldn't let them regulate um, for you on your everyday matters of your life. You have to be strong and do that for yourself. And you have to obey the government as much as you can or keep the law because that's sensible. But there is a limit, especially when you start to see the governments are breaking apart in terms of values and they're just starting to be silly. We've seen some very silly decision making um, on the part of governments around the world in the last year. And also, you well, can you consider big Sorry, uh, Victor, but there is a lot of comments, so I don't know how you want to... Okay, jump in, jump in, Matilda, yes. jump in. Frederick is saying, great point. This is uh, referring to uh, Simon's gun, I think. Uh, great point. Look at what's happening in Australia, how the citizens are being treated. I guess they're rethinking why they gave up their weapons. Frederick is saying again, it has been 15 days to stop the spread, slash two years. Um, Sasha is saying freedom is related to choice. The real question is, do we have the choice to continue with a system who is destroying everything? We have limitations with energy and physics put limits in the nature. Our freedom is limited by the physical limits of our planet. We don't have any choice because we, because there are physical limits with Earth. Okay. Yeah, true to some extent. I would, um, yeah, but uh, Matilda, um, Carla mentioned something very interesting about personal accountability. So, how would you, how would you become more accountable to yourself? Um, I think at these times of uncertainty, I think you should really focus on yourself you know when there is crisis there is also opportunities as we can see there are people who've lost lots of things uh, due to the crisis and there are people who thrived in a lot of ways um, I'd rather be in the thriving side than the uh, the not thriving side I think it's just you have to be flexible in um, Farsi they have this saying 
that you need to be like a water. Uh, whatever obstacle comes in your way, you have to find a way to go around it. And it's an, I think, interesting expression and it's very useful in these times as well. Find a way to make it happen. I think the confidence that you can have on yourself that no matter what, I will have a good life. With COVID, without COVID, pandemic, lockdown, more lockdown, world order, under world order, anything happen, I'm going to have a good life because I'm going to make the best out of any situation. So I think that confidence that you can have with yourself can change the game. Right now, this is what's happening in the world and there's a lot of opportunities. Can you see the opportunities? If you can see, then uh, you're in charge. In any situation, you are in charge. Depends how you want to play your games, how you want to play the cards. Okay, that's good, that's great. Yeah, so we're running up now and I would like to just get one last word from all of you on just um, one word of encouragement to um, to give to viewers or those that will be listening to us, um, just to give just to give hope to people. Simon, one last word. Hope is just learn to improvise. I'll say that as a, a military guy. Guy, if you look at user or well, ex-military, if you look at how any military operates around the world, it's always even this. Even if it's a terrorist group. They all improvise. They look at the situation and they go in to do a mission. And then if something crops up, they improvise and get around it and things like that. And it's not worth throwing your hands in the air and saying, oh, this is too bad. And, you know, or becoming suicidal or depressed and all those things. Just improvise. Life's going to go on and it's all part of the journey. And it's an exciting journey. It's interesting. You get to talk about it later on and share it with your loved ones and it could bring you closer. And that's my Susa Karma for the day. Over to you, Allah. Over to you, Allah. Let's go. One word of encouragement. I think there will always be a great deal of uncertainty uh, towards the future, no matter how one wants to be optimistic and happy and everything. There will be always this uncertainty. Before COVID, after COVID, uh, we always dealt with crisis. And uh, I'm someone who believes in God. And uh, I think uh, someone who has this spiritual and who is, um, who is really um, believe in a higher power or spiritual, they know that in every disaster, uh, there is different parts uh, you could take. And uh, you always have uh, loss and gain in every crisis. And if you have this, uh, ability to to believe in higher power you know that you're going to bounce back from any catastrophic situation <laughs> over to you victor yeah and the word from hala uh, from kala sorry i beg your pardon i agree 100 with Hala. when it all comes down to it we can do so much um but we we know that there is a force greater than us at work all the time and sometimes you just have to have a little bit of faith um, and then when you have faith also, you need to, to act like a person with faith. So it's not just about making your world better, because I think that's one of the lessons that I hope came out of the pandemic is that you can have a wonderful little world in your home and in your five cars and in your wonderful career and all of that. But what about the rest of the world? What about what you do on a day to day basis? Because remember, things like money 
are not infinite. Money is fixed, right? So the more money you collect, the less money there is out there in the economy for someone else. That's a factor that people really need to think about. So when you're worrying about chasing wealth and mounting it up, we know that is it 1% has how much percent of the world's wealth? Does someone know that statistic is something like 1% of the world's population controls more than 50% of the world's wealth, right? So then the, the rest of us are all chasing the other 50 something percent. When you start to do the maths around that, you realize that we can't all be chasing to be rich because we're not all going to be rich. So some of us need to chase something else. And whether it's a pandemic or no pandemic, there are always people around you in your community suffering. There are single parents, there are disabled people, there are people who are suffering as a result of addictions, people who are homeless. There is always someone that you've got the capacity to help. And I, and I hope that what's come out of the pandemic is that people start to realize what real suffering is and all the crises that are happening as we speak around the world give us all an opportunity to reach out to people who are suffering. So we can make our own lives a little bit better, but we can also make someone else's maybe a lot better. Um, and that is something that I think we need to think more about as, the, as we go on in the future. Yes, make ourselves comfortable, but also support other people so that they are more comfortable as well. Just to let you know, it's 1% of the world's population owns more all the wealth of the equivalent of 4.6 billion people on the planet. The one, in other words, 1% of the world's population owns more than half the world's population's wealth. Yeah, so we can stop chasing it because they're holding it. <laughs> in a crisis, <laughs> they're going to hold it for dear life, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't need to be chasing that. We need to just provide for our families, be satisfied and share. Share the rest of it, right? Yeah. What I would say, what, what say is that there's this, um, there's this book by Viktor Frankl about his surviving three Nazi um, death camps. And um, man's search for meaning, where his uh, his whole belongings were stripped from him, and his manuscript that he has been working on in all his adult life was taken away from him, and um, he vowed at night and said, "You know, uh, I would survive this this camp. I will survive death, and I'll come out to write my manuscript again." So without vow, without that was how he like found meaning and purpose in his life and just like went after it. He survived brutal, untold hardship. And there was a phrase that he used, suffer bravely, in one of his uh, captions. Suffer bravely. When you put meaning to what to whatever you're going through, whether hardship, when you put meaning to it, it makes sense for you to be able to like go through it. At the end of the day, I like what I'm going through right now. Not that I like it, but I would go through it because it's the face i'll go through it and when i come out of this i would be more more stronger i'll be able to like write that book i'll be able to like and there's so many people like you guys have rightly said there's so many people out there in the community where you are right now you can just look around yourself and like help if it's your grandma if it's your grandpa the sick um the youngster if you can be a mentor See, these are little things that you can actually do to bring your spark back to life. So that is just what I would like to add to it. And um, also one of my favorite guys, um, Nelson Mandela, he went through 28 years, 27, 28 years of untold hardship and came out to become a forgiving light or a, forgive, a way to, uh, a forgiving inspiration into the world. So 
Um, that is my that is my own word of encouragement. There's still life at the end of the tunnel, so go through it and don't get stuck in it. Go go ahead, Matilda. Um, I want to say, you know, we're very spoiled. We're very busy about life. You know, 100 years ago, people were going through, uh, I mean, right now, the world is in a very good place. 100 years ago, there was World War One, World War Two, hunger, starvation. People were dying left and right. There was a lot of crisis. What, what is the crisis now? Okay, yeah, some people, health issue, that's an issue. But the rest, I mean, when you look at human history, we never had this pink world so why we're thinking that everything has to be easy and hunky-dory i don't understand where is this coming from the it's this generation of entitlement for god's sake you're human you're on this earth and things can happen right now this is this crisis and i'm sure 100 years later there's gonna be another crisis too so by talking about it crying about it and not doing anything about it about your life it's a woosiness that needs to be going away right now after this conversation. <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> These are your cards, and you have to play the best way possible. Look at the positive points and find the opportunities in the midst of this global crisis because there are, and there are people who are thriving. Just look at it carefully, and you will find it. So don't be upset. Yeah. It's a good time. Great, great, great. So rounding up now. And we yes, have a lot of um, comments. Okay, let's have the comment before we like before we um so I come in saying I agree with Matilda, you must accept what it is available and adapt to it. Sasha is saying, especially since energy predicted a long time ago our actual situation, energy and freedom are related. It is simple. All those changes are necessary, even if it's limitation for our individual freedom. We need to think about the others. And Frederick is saying in the US we have states. Our states have government and individual sets of rules, like little countries that belong to the union. We are getting close to the divorce point between conservative freedom and the folks that want to carry on the mandates. Once they started talking about vaccinating children five years and above with an experiment vaccine, I draw the line. Florida drew the line. Go, Florida. Yes, yes, it, yes. So, okay, thank you very much, Matilda, for doing that. So I just want to say a huge thank you to, to everyone who has commented. Frederick, thank you very much. Akran, Sasha, you know, you guys have made have made this conversation to be a very robust one. So I'm very grateful. And for those who will be watching after this, um, this live conversation, you can also continue the conversation when we are done. The, definitely one of us will definitely reach out to you and um, continue the talk. Yeah, so um, Hala, can you just tell us where we can find the podcast? Um... Yes, so check my podcast on all podcast platforms, uh, Spotify mainly and uh, iTunes if you have iPhone. So yeah, check on this and uh, we'll have a new episode soon. Over to you, Carla. Yeah, my podcast is the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast, which is for parents and teachers and anyone who's interested in topics that relate to well-being and education. Over to you, Matilda. And my podcast is on uh, all uh, po uh, podcast platforms on YouTube and um, Facebook. And it's about finding yourself and coming out of adversity. Over to you, Simon. 
Hi, yep, Simon Rushton. My podcast can be found on all platforms and it's Taxi Chronicles where I'm interviewing people about their everyday life and what they do. It's very interesting and we publish at 8 a.m. every morning British Standard Time. Back to you, Victor. Yeah, thank you. And you can find the Diaspora Entrepreneurs podcast on all major platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and um, even Stitcher can find us there. So... For me and for my fellow co-hosts, I would say a big thank you to everyone who's been with us up to this time. Thank you very much. We deeply appreciate it. And um, keep sending in your questions and keep sending in your, your comments, I mean. And also, join us next week, Monday, for another wonderful conversation. Thank you and um, goodbye.